Happy New Year and welcome back to another episode of the Houdat Jedi. It is actually literally the new year. It is uh, mm-hmm. January 1, 2020. Yeah, about 4.30 in the afternoon. Everybody's fine. We have beer, so um, not hair of the dog type of things. We are responsible adults last night. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Happy New Year. And we're going to be obviously talking about when there's no Mandalorian to talk about. Oh... But well, there were a whole lot of Baby Yoda New Year memes that were were uh, just spot on. I just loved it. Well, that's the so, thing. It's He's the breakout star of the show, weirdly enough. So, um, you know, and I think uh, eventually we'll talk about the entire season as a whole. Um, but uh, for today, um, we're going to be just kind of focusing on the rise of Skywalker. Since um, I think uh, everybody's seen it multiple times now. Mm-hmm. Um, we will get into spoilers today. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it. You yeah, know, we should just put that on the podcast. We're just going to talk, you know, if, if you know, I don't know, don't go listening to a podcast if you haven't gone to see the movie, you know, but we should, we got that warning. Sure. Mm-hmm. You can turn it off now if you like, or you can wait until after we do our trivia but i we have to introduce sorry sitting around my table in the midst of gentilly in new orleans we have dave and fredo and aaron everybody say hi hello hi. yeah hello and uh the saints have uh, the minnesota vikings on sunday sunday at noon so high noon high noon yeah i think we're, it's we're uh, back in the mandalorian uh, <laughs> things with and I, I will say that and dave is wearing a florida state uh hat in the house that is a true Husker house. And you know, the only team we hate more in Florida state is Miami. So that's where we can have common ground, you know? Yeah, sure. But yeah, anyway, we all hate Miami. As long as he doesn't do the, uh, the tomahawk chop thing, we'll be fine. Otherwise we'll have to edit that out. Also, if there are any Miami <laughs> listeners out there, we don't hate you. Thank you for listening. So uh, yeah, just, uh, just your football team. Anyway, um, <laughs> So, but yeah, we'll start off with our fun bit of Star Wars Saga trivia. And yeah, we might have to update it when they update it with things. Um, which, by the way, before we do this, you guys seen, we were talking about a little bit last night, the uh, Star Wars Cards Against Humanity is being released. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I had friends who got like a preview copy of that and they said it was awful. Awful. They said That's it was disappointing. It was it 500 first friends. Yeah, they said it was like just kind of it was it was kind of lame. It was poorly edited, and maybe it was because it was a pre-release type thing. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, but uh, maybe that that'd be a fun episode. We'll do a late night episode where we're playing Star Wars cards against humanity and have to put a not safe for work. You know, not safe for work, on. not safe for school, maybe yeah. not safe for most human <laughs> consumption. So anyway, all right. Um, so let's have. I'll have. Dave, you got to start off. You'll ask me the question, and uh, then I'll go to Fredo, and Fredo will go to you. Sounds good. Who delicately informs Lord Vader the Emperor commands you to make contact with him? You know, it's very interesting you say that. I'm going to let people think about this, but I'm looking over your shoulder at the picture of the very guy who did this. Um, one of my favorite pictures, it was the very first con that I went to, well, no, not the very first one, but I went to this one in Omaha and sitting behind me in this theater was the guys who played Admiral Ozel and Admiral Piet. Both are sitting right next to each other and they're right behind me and they're discussing the fall of the Roman empire. <laughs> that was a very surreal moment. And so <laughs> after this whole presentation or whatever, and it was a great con because you got to, um, you know, intermingle with, uh, with them. I actually had shared a beer with the guy who played low gray. Um, and so that was awesome. I actually sat at the table, I think with the guy who played Leatherface, 
it wasn't just a Star Wars con. It was, uh, you know, but anyway, so I digress, um, but it was Admiral Piet. This is correct. And Ken Conley. Uh, and so, yeah, I have the photo of me, Admiral Piet and Admiral Ozzel, um, and it's autographed. So that's, uh, yeah, it's kind of See, fun. I remember when I had him sign that actually, um, cause I, and he just sat there and just looked at the picture for <laughs> about like silently for about, you know, a minute. And he was just, it was just, obviously he was just kind of moved by this. It was just kind of a neat, neat thing. So yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that you added the Admiral in there too, because he had recently been promoted when, uh, that's true. Yeah. To, you, yeah. you, yeah, he did get promoted. All right. Sorry. I went on a long story there, but, uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, by the way, another article that I had, or another autograph I have somewhere in here is David Prowse. Um, I think he wrote it on the Star Wars figure over there. He always signed it, David Prowse is Darth Vader. <laughs> He's not letting that go. Um, anyway. Okay, so I'm just going to pick uh, this one. All right. Fredo, mm-hmm. who's described as most displeased, that was air quotes for a podcast, okay, most displeased with the lack of progress on the second Death Star? Oh, well, okay. Who's, let's... who's described as most mm-hmm. displeased? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll give everybody kind of a moment to think about it. Think of the scene. I don't have any funny stories about meeting the actor who said that or the actor who they're referring to. So, uh, But the answer is the Emperor. Emperor Palpatine. Yep. Yes, sir. He is most displeased with the apparent lack of effort. That's a good stout. So I just <laughs> yeah. took my first drink. Uh, it's Port Orleans stout. So shout out to Port Orleans there. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a good stout. All right. Okay, Dave. Um who pilots the snowspeeder that brings down the first Imperial Walker? Ooh, the first Imperial Walker. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess Wedge. That is correct. All it's right. Wedge Antilles. And what was his gunner's name? Oh, the... Okay, now I've got the scene playing in my head. Uh, was it, no, it wasn't Dak. It says oh. the guy who gets killed with Luke. I think I know. Go ahead. Was it Jansen? Yeah, nice shot, Jansen. That's right. So, yeah. All right. Well, there's our trivia for for the day. Um, And we have a gazillion more cards eventually. So we'll have to do this every podcast. But today we're going to be talking again about the Rise of Skywalker. Now, in our last episode, we gave our initial, you know, kind of overarching reviews of it. And I think we've we're discussing it that, you know, we're all kind of just like, yeah, it's good. You know, it wasn't the greatest thing we ever saw. wasn't the worst thing we ever saw. You know, we enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, and it's tough when we're going to be starting to be critical of the movie. We don't want to make you feel like we hated the movie because I didn't. I actually listened to another podcast and I agree with this guy. He said, you know, I'd liked it because it was Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching a Star Wars movie, you know, and that's I, I think every single one of them. There's, you know, we could go through ranking one through nine and you know the other two movies whatever you want to do but ultimately it's like i'm going to enjoy watching a star wars movie that's just and the day that i don't then that i'm i don't know that'll be that'll be tough but anyway so we all kind of but you know we're kind of in the middle right yep i think Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that caveat's up front in case we start to slag the heck out of this movie but we're, we're our intention is to not do that so well you know it, when i was an instructional coach i would go into you know teachers classrooms and 
watch them teach and then try to get feedback on how to become a better teacher. And it is, it's tough to like say, you know, gee, Dave, you did all this horribly. And if you did all these, those things better then you'd be a better teacher. I mean, that's not going to work. Right. Right. So you have to talk about the positives that they do. And I'd always lead off with, you know, things that I liked and I'd ask them, what things did you like? Um, because it is so easy to focus on the negative because, and there are, in everything that we do, there are negatives, you know, when listening to music, it's like, you know, they wish it could have had, you know, something to end, but anyway, um, I digress again. Um, so yeah, we, we don't, we don't hate the movie. No, no. I think, uh, it's obviously there's going to be differences of opinion between a large group of fans. That's to be expected. There's going to be a variety of what people liked and didn't like. It's funny, just right now, I was coming over from the pub watching a soccer game, and we got to discussing about The Mandalorian. I was talking about it with three other friends, and two of them loved the episode of The Mandalorian, The Prisoner, and one of them hated it. I'm right. like, and I was just taken aback. I'm like, how could you have hated that episode? But she did not like it. She found it to be too disposable. She didn't like any of the characters that they interacted with. She says, I like, like she said that this was the first uh, first uh, role that she saw Natalia Tena in, who played uh, the Twilight, that she did not like her in. And I'm like, I'm just taken aback. So sometimes you have to acknowledge up front that differences of opinion does not necessarily, or difference of opinion about a work of art, a piece of art, does not necessarily denote that you did not like it or did not enjoy it. It just means, okay, there's going to be some stuff in there that you're going to point to that will detract from your enjoyment or that you didn't like as much as somebody else. And that's all subjective. And I think there's something also very important to talk about here is I, when I, again, when I would work with teachers um, in teaching instructional mm-hmm. theory is um, we'd always talk about the difference between value and liking mm-hmm. that, you know, there's mm-hmm. a big difference there. And a lot of people don't find that, you know, can't find that difference you know that they think because i don't like it it has no value right so i think as we're talking you know so again emerald could come in here and cook us a meal and by all accounts it's going to be an awesome meal but i might not like it because i don't like this flavor or Mm -hmm. i don't like you know that texture or something like that but that doesn't make it a bad meal you know and so i think when um you get into the critiques of the movie I think it's important that, yeah, we didn't like certain things, but, you know, if you want to discuss the value of it as how does it fit within the broader, you know, saga story, things like that. Um, and I think that is a fair conversation to have, but that you need to have that distinction between, because I didn't like it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it has no value in the Star Wars universe. And I was just going to say, and it's important to recognize that there's a difference between what your thoughts are for the movie as the movie itself, you know, as one piece of work. And then you can have a completely different set of thoughts about how it fits within the sequel trilogy and then within the overall Star Wars saga. These are completely different trains of thoughts. You know, you can say, oh, I like the movie. I don't necessarily like how it answers some of the questions I've been having since 2015. Or I don't necessarily know how I feel about it, how it fits with the whole episode, you know, Skywalker saga tale as that's its final piece you know that those are appropriate you know you have to be able to recognize okay i can like this or not necessarily like that or i like how they did this but didn't answer that so that's going to be kind of crucial you know as you know as people absorb and acknowledge and process this movie i so, can give you one last thought yeah, on this too um i do like a comic book movie ranking on my blog uh, daveglado.com uh, there's my quick plug um 
but I rank comic book movies, um, and I just write a few words on each. Um, and I've gotten a lot of backlash from people, and they're like, well, how could you not think, for example, Avengers Endgame is the greatest comic book movie of all time? And I said, well, I try to step back from it, and I try to evaluate based not on my initial feelings of wow that was awesome and just look at it as a work and would i recommend this piece of art to other people to go experience you know and within that context then it's not as high for me so well it's it's also i mean to to get to dumb it down you know to even more rudimentary level it's like we would all go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger and oh my God, at the right time of day and given your mood, that is the best thing you have ever had in all of your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just enjoying that cheeseburger so much, but it, it is it, it is crap when it comes oh, to no. food overall. You know, Look, um, we're, we're all living in New Orleans. We've all been out of Mardi Gras parade routes. I'm uh, no, McDonald's cheeseburger at, after you've been standing on a parade route for four hours you know, and in the cold is the greatest thing ever. And you've been drinking. It can be the greatest thing ever. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go back the next day and do it again. Yeah. But in that moment, it works. So, you know, it's so what we're going to... We're damning with faint praise here. Yes, right? yes, yes, what yes. I, <laughs> what I want to start off with, though, is that I, when I'm looking at my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed, um, I'm really seeing... I, I don't fit in with it right now because I'm seeing either people saying this was the greatest thing ever jj delivered he is genius and it did everything i needed and more oh my god early christmas present they're all over the moon to the opposite side of people saying this was the worth most worthless thing i've ever seen they're just i mean they're you can see they're mad mm-hmm. now again i find myself in the middle it's kind of like when i was a sophomore in high school my high school band went to new york city for we went to the kickoff classic and um, and so it was the first time I'd ever been in any city like, you know, bigger than really Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, so yeah, Hickville, you know, <laughs> but anyway, and so, you know, we get there and we see New York city and, you know, I called my dad and he's like, you know, so what's, how's New York? And I'm just like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of cool things, but my reaction is, yeah, it's all right. I mean, that's the way I felt about rise of Skywalker. I was like, didn't not like it. You know, I didn't, you know, I was just like. You know, yeah, it's cool. There's some really good moments. I enjoyed it, but I didn't have those hyper reactions. So what I want to talk about, and we've all seen people have those hyper reactions. Right. So let's kind of just digest. Why do you think people are, first of all, over the moon with this movie? And this is all just speculation. This is all just our, you know, you know, we don't have any data to back any of this up. But why do you think those people who think that JJ hit a home run? Why do we? Why do we think? One of the things that would, when I came into the movie, I think we were talking about expectations, either within the context of the show or outside of the show. Uh, and I said I just wanted spectacle out of the thing. Um, that was really my only expectation coming into it. Well, they delivered on that, um, and I think like that's a reason that a lot of people have responded positively. It's just the sheer immensity of the thing. Um, oh my gosh, look at that lightsaber fight. Look at all those ships. Um, look at these crazy familial connections that didn't exist before. Uh, you're giving me Star Wars in a very kind of in-your-face way, um, like almost ex- ex- exaggerating 
what Star Wars had already been. Um, oh, you like these sorts of um, th- this family drama? We're giving you more family drama, more than you've ever had before. You know, um, you like seeing a lot of ships, you know, fly at each other. We're going to give you as many ships as we possibly can give you. Um, and it just kind of like on and on and on down the line. If you evaluate it in those terms. Yeah. I mean, like it's a big, loud, crazy film jam packed with tons of stuff. Um, and I think if if you go into that with it, with with that mindset and again, I don't want to damn with faint praise, but it's like. I just wanted a popcorn movie that I could just go and enjoy for a couple of hours and take my mind off of my troubles. I think this movie really delivers in those terms. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say you have to consider the creator, and by I mean the the director, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> and what, what I mean to say with that is, look at the kind of movies he's made. He's made Super Eight. He made Mission Impossible Three. He made one, two, the first two Star Trek reboots. And then now he's done two Star Wars movies. He is, as much as anybody can be, a very strong disciple of Steven Spielberg. Of, I'm going to give the audience what they want. I'm going to deliver. You want action? I'll give you action. You want comedy? I'll give you comedy. And he's very much uh, somebody who is uh, well-versed in the genre oeuvre, to put it that way, of the 1980s. See, so he's channeling all that into this. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it into a, a musical context again. Mm-hmm. I mean, having been in a band and having watched bands and stuff like that, um, that where I think bands fail. And actually, I'll, I'll, let me back up. I'm going to say where I, this one band I watched was, they did such a great job. I remember sitting there, this is many years ago, and... They're, they played a lot of covers because it was just, it was a Friday night, you know, mm-hmm. club where people go out and they want to hear a band and they want to hear Brown Eyed Girl and stuff like that. But anyway, you know, they, they played a bunch of covers and then they would play an original and then they'd play a couple more covers and then they'd play another couple originals and then they'd play a bunch of covers again. So they, they kept, you know, it's like you said, you give them what you want. I remember with my own band, um, you know, there's times where I wanted to, like we we developed these 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 almost uh, just just some great arrangements in our Irish band that we knew would just totally lose the community concert audience or the pub audience depending on what we're playing, you know. So we had to like sometimes put our favorite things off to the side because the audience is the one paying the bill. Right now, so I'm gonna so I'm gonna back up a little bit, you know. So like I said, this band. The, where I see bands sometimes it gets tough. It's like people will leave a show early if it's all original stuff. They don't feel bad about leaving, but you know it's like when you know that they're constantly playing stuff that you recognize, then it kind of hooks you. But but what I was gonna say is I think J.J. Abrams as a creator is very comfortable making original stuff that looks like that looks and sounds and feels like a cover. He's one of those and. I, Trying to think of somebody who, off the top of my head, that be an artist like that, who, you well, know, his I, stuff sounds like, you know, if you look at Super 8, it is entirely Steven Spielberg from the nineteen early 1980s, stuff like E.T. Uh, or you know, Close well, Encounters. I'll say real quick, I mean, one of the one of the music groups that I really like listening to, and flame me if you will, mm-hmm. I like Walk the Moon. 
And the, I mean, it's all original stuff. I like Walk the Moon because it sounds like the music I grew up on in mm-hmm. the 80s. It, sound, it sounds like 80s music that's written today. today. So, yeah. No, and then that's just it. It's that idea of... Because uh, even the, there was actually a, a, a criticism of J.J. Abrams when he made the first Star Trek movie, his first uh, reboot. They said, no, he made a Star Wars movie. That is a, he, he took all the, all the science-y, you know, nerdy stuff that... Trek fans love and said no he just simply gave us space magic so he made us he made us a, a he put Star, Star Wars into our Star Trek so that's the, that's his um, that's what he likes to do that's and his MO that's right. his MO so not a surprise that he's bringing it here Dave's leaned into the microphone twice right so. <laughs> well I just thought of a couple of other examples Greta found Fleet mm-hmm. you know who's like Led Zeppelin reincarnated or whatever you know like and i don't like them very much because of that i feel like they're derivative but um you know it that's one of the first examples that comes to mind for me when i think about jj because he's just and personally uh i've always struggled with jj's um movies a little bit um when i when i first watched that star trek film Mm -hmm. i had significant problems with it Mm -hmm. and and finally i just had to say well turn off your brain uh, give it another go. And again, um, not to be too negative, um, that it ended up working for me. Um, after I it was like, okay, let me not go in with specific expectations about specific canon and just let this wash over me as entertainment um, and was able to enjoy it. And I feel that way about pretty much every one of his films. So one, what was, here's another little quiz. In all of the uh, the lead up and all the press junkets and everything they did, what was the one word that all the cast and all the crew and everybody from Disney? What was the one word they used to describe this movie? Do you remember? No. It starts with an S. Saga. Satisfying. It's a satisfying end. It's a satisfying mm-hmm. story. They use the word satisfying so many times. So again, talking about these people who were obviously satisfied, they were over the moon over this movie. What things in this movie you think satisfied them? What do you think made them go? Let's get specific in the movies. Like just, I mean, you know, when the other thing I can say too, um, is that it's everything last Jedi wasn't. Um, and a lot of people have very strong feelings uh, Still about do. about Last Jedi, uh, which which I would like to take those people who you know, and I'm I'm kind of one of them, and I have my qualms with the Last Jedi, but it's like I would like to take the people who right now who are in their mid forties like me, who think that Empire Strikes Back was God's gift to the world next to Jesus Christ, you know, and and take it and take them as a forty mid forties and show them Empire Strikes Back for the first time as of mid forties. Right. You know, mm-hmm. because that was, and would they have, if we could do a mind wipe on them, you've never seen empire strikes back before in your life and you're mid forties. You've and now you're going to watch empire. Would they be going, Oh my God, this is boring. It's I, a, it's a yeah. slow moving movie. Really? I really, did, I agree with that thesis and we can probably go into that. Um, forever and ever yeah. because I really believe that's a lot of what's going on with that movie. Um, well, but which again, brings me to my point, sorry to interrupt you that yeah. I think, I, I think what's, I think what makes this satisfying to people is that it, it, it hit everybody in that you have the young kids who really like Ray foe and Ray, Ray foe and pin <laughs> Lord Ray P 
I stopped. Rapo and Finn, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lord, maybe Ray I Ford had more Finn. than two beers last night. Anyway, when you have the big, you know, they they like those three characters, and so those the the younger generation, I, they got a lot of that this time. Mm-hmm. You know, then you have the kids who grew up in with the the prequels, and you see a battle droid, and you hear you know some of the voices from the prequels, and you there's a lot of prequel references in the movie, so they mm-hmm. felt satisfied. And then you have the old people like us where you know we're still seeing han solo and luke skywalker and we're you know bring back out lando. and we have we also yeah bring back lando we also have that you know connection with princess leia and carrie fisher and to see how her death was was handled mm-hmm. you know those things were satisfying to me and chewbacca gets his medal you know oh, yeah. so that's those are kind of my specifics that i think i think that's what they mean but well, then we can get into the butt later. So right. we'll get into the butt about the metal later. I just think like, um, again, if we're trying to ID like why this movie would appeal um, to people in general, I think like it being a course correction or at least perceived as being a course correction will do it for a lot of folks. I've heard somebody say that they and maybe I said this in the previous podcast that um, they didn't like The Last Jedi, but now they like The Last Jedi having seen mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker. They said it made it a better movie. I would really like to sit down with that person and ask them a little I bit more too, why. I would too, because I feel stronger about The Last Jedi in mm-hmm. the wake of this movie, and I think that's a credit to this movie. I, mm-hmm. I really... I was on the fence with Last Jedi for a number of years. Um, well, how long has it been out? Two? Two years. <laughs> that's so a number of years. years uh, I, was, I was on the fence, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Um, rewatching it recently, um, I was just struck by how much more I liked it after having seen Rise right. of Skywalker. So. I, f- I find the Last Jedi maybe it's a, and this is the natural aspect of people tend to juxtapose. So you go, well, I didn't like Last Jedi. I clearly, you know, like Rise of Skywalker. Or I like Last Jedi. I don't like Rise of Skywalker, and that's not necessarily the case because you can't like both. You can not like either. Uh, but what I found interesting is that looking at how Last Jedi, for all of its qualities and all of its flaws, is clearly a work with a theme and a thesis and a mission. And it's, you know, Rise of Skywalker doesn't necessarily, I mean, it has its themes that it's playing with. But it's it's almost like it took some of what Last Jedi did and said, okay, we're going to take some pieces out and we're going to leave the rest and then... We're going to go back to Force Awakens, take some of those pieces out. And, you know, like they're one of the good things that they did here is they said, OK, we're we got a lot of loose threads out here. We're going to tie some, as many of them as we can. And sometimes when people describe something satisfying, it could be as simple as you have answered my question in a way that come, that makes it make sense to me. Let me, uh, you know, and so maybe this is going to start transitioning us into why some people have that visceral, my God, this was the worst thing I've ever seen reaction. But that word satisfying bugged me from the minute I heard it. And I watched, you know, I saw the press junkets and things like that. And everybody, that was obviously the word they were told to use. Right. And that was the talking point. And so here's the thing. It, it drove me nuts, though. When I'm going to go back to that band that I was in, I'm making set lists. And it drove me nuts to sit there and just program stuff that I knew the audience was going to like myself as a performer that is going to make me just go, Ugh, 
you know, I don't want to play the song. It's like the, I, a documentary on the Eagles. Um, there's a, the, a scene where um, Glenn Fry is talking about, you know, Randy Meisner, they're going, they're going to go out to uh, play their encore and their encore was always take it to the limit. And Randy Meisner is like, no, I don't want to do that song. I'm tired of that song. Said, and, and I'm not feeling all that well. I don't play. And Glenn Fry's like, you got a lot of people who just paid a ton of money to come hear you sing, you know, take it to the limit. You know, he said, do you think I like singing peaceful, easy feeling? And, mm-hmm. you know, um, others, he said every night, no, but I mean, that's what they want. So it is that tough thing. It's like, so satisfying. Okay. I really want to create something for you as an artist you know, how much do I have, but, but they're not going to like this if I do this, you know, in this case where the squeakiest wheels getting the oil, Mm -hmm. so to speak, because you're talking about, um, trying to make people, the most amount of people happy. Um, and that feels like the biggest mission of the movie period. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so you know, this section of the fan base is particularly noisy about this factor. So let's give them that. And it, in, in that sense, it felt a little bit like attack of the clones. Um, and the way that George kind of overcorrected from Phantom Menace, um, in some respects. And, and I think, I just think age and perspective has so much to do with this because I, again, I remember, um, as a 10 year old watching return of the Jedi that even, before they changed it to Jedi rocks, you know, and they have, you know, was it loppy neck? You know, they mm-hmm. do the little song and dance thing in Jabba's palace. Well, I, I remember thinking, well, this is goofy, but I didn't like go, ah, that was the worst thing ever, <laughs> you know? But however, when I got into my whatever twenties and the special editions come out and they do Jedi rocks, like, what are you doing? This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And now that I'm in my forties, if they were to do something different, I'd probably just like get out the clunky. Yeah, yeah, McClunky, there you go. At you know, torch and pitchfork, right. right time. So I think it's important when we hear you know, when I, I I really do pay attention to okay, that person is from this generation mm-hmm. making this comment. So I do want to transition though, so because let's so as I'm talking pitchforks and torches, the people who had the pitchforks and torches, a couple um, you know, oh, I we still need to bring our friend on here who sent me a text and said he almost walked out of the movie. He said it was the worst, one of the worst movies he's ever seen. Um, you know, another friend who he posted on Facebook. Yes, I saw it. No, I did not like it. And I'm not going to discuss it. I mean, that sounds like man, a bad Christmas, you know, with the family type of thing. So what do we think? And there's, there's other people, you know, we, what Brittany said when we, when you got here, one of her former students said, what was it? What was the, what I'd was rather the quote? be, uh, digest, be digested in the Sarlacc pit for, for a thousand, thousand years than watch the la- the rise of Skywalker again. So, so why, why are these people so angry? So, okay. The first, I've heard a couple of kind of reasons for it. The first reason I've heard is that it is. Hey, calm down. Over I know, there. I know. <laughs> no, it, the first reason I've heard that it's the breakneck pace of it. It's a movie that does not slow down. Now, again, going back to J.J. Abrams' qualities, that's, his, that's part of his M.O. is to give you satisfying action. It's, he's, trying to, he's trying to appease you. And this is a movie that starts off with a battle scene. And within five minutes, we're into an action chase. And within 10 minutes, 
you know, we're into another. So it's a movie that doesn't stop. But at the same time, it's not like it's a satisfying sequence of events or not at all of them is. He's using very much a shotgun approach. So that's one thing I've heard that it's a lot of pace, but it doesn't, you know, there's also a lot of particularly at the start. I've heard a lot of people complain about an info dump. And this is kind of where we can get into the, you know, maybe the idea of, you know, did J.J. Abrams try to do whole episode eight and nine in one movie? Because it feels like, particularly the first third of the movie, he's just throwing stuff at you. And sometimes that can be good for people. Like if they're, they were not necessarily pleased with The Last Jedi, they could be, oh yeah, please give me all this. But some people can go, what the heck are you doing? What's can going I, on? I'm making, this not, it makes no sense. Can I say we're talking mm-hmm. about like in, in five, 10 years, you know, at the panel I want to see at Comic-Con or Star Wars Celebration is I want to see Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams sitting on the stage <laughs> I don't know if at the happen. same time. I don't think that'll happen. Anyway, okay, right. keep, keep, anybody no, keep no, going no, about things you're hearing. No, but anyway, but that, those tend to be so the pace, uh, some of the dialogue, and really, uh, but primarily, I think it's that sense of at the start, it takes a long time to get going because you're just getting a ton of information, and then some of it is simply that they don't like the course correction that they've taken with this movie. I've heard, I've, I've read some parts of people saying, saying, "Look, you know, I like the Last Jedi. I like the." The direction that the that the trilogy was headed there, this <laughs> swerve right back around, and you know, Pal crashed us, you know, right back into the most incestuous galaxy far, far away. So, I can I can talk. Um, Go about for it. A lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the I, maybe I'll transition into this article that I was reading, which we we've uh, probably apart from this um, show have talked about like. Is he trying to do too much? Um, is he trying to fit too much in this film? And again, you can talk about the why. Um, you know, was he potentially boxed into a corner? Um, is he just, you know, not willing to let go of some of those mystery boxes that he previously established? Um, is he just trying to tell too much story all at once? You know, again, the why isn't so much uh, as important to me as the fact that I think he's trying to do a lot period i mean like this is and for me some of those punches landed and some of them didn't Mm -hmm. um and and so i don't know i mean like if you want to step back from it and get philosophical about it and say well what was his batting average you know was it this or was it that um i think you can find a lot of value in the film if you do that Mm -hmm. um but for people who hated it I think a lot of them just were like, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. And they're checked out. And at that point, you're going to have a hard time getting them back in. Um, and again, trying to do too much can play into that. I, I, One of the things about The Force Awakens that I adore is how much care he takes in establishing this universe and these people, these characters that we haven't met before. Um, particularly really with Ray, um, we just have quiet moments of her scavenging and then living her life. We get to see a day in the life of Ray. Um, and that's essential to establishing her character and <coughs> beginning to figure out like, okay, so how does she relate to this story and these people around her? And you get a, you get a, a, a very very um, dense picture of that right away. 
And I love that about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, this movie, you can juxtapose it with Force Awakens in that, well, okay, we got all their characters already, so we're just going. And it it's going to... I think that depth of knowledge, um, when you talk about maybe like a great work of art, and this is how we refer to these movies as art, um, you can kind of... You can kind of tell if somebody is, um, if they spent four days on a piece versus four months. Um, yeah. And, and that's an extreme statement, but uh, it applies both to these smaller strokes within the film itself, um, but also to the film at large. It's like, did they, did they give enough time to building the movie itself? And there was an article that came out recently that I that I'd read that made the argument they should have they should have postponed the release release date like five months, uh, have it come out in May, uh, the traditional Star Wars slot. Oh, don't say that because <laughs> for for us, yes, it's May, but yeah. for the prequel kids, or actually for I don't know the well, it's like it's the, sequel. the the younger kids, it's like christmas is when star wars is released it's like mm-hmm. not for you know not the previous not... 30 years you know it's like always you know may but anyway sorry. i like christmas release dates but i guess the argument could be made that this film needed more polish um and and this writer made that argument i think it was the forbes article uh scott mendelson i think mm-hmm. or is that i got his name right uh, we hope so. I hope well, I got his name right. Let me look it up. Well, while you look it up, I'll just say uh, one of the things we uh, we should keep in mind as we discuss, and not just us, but everybody discuss Rise of Skywalker, is to remember J.J. Abrams was not the original choice. The original plan was J.J. was going to do episode seven, Ryan Johnson does episode but eight, they, and but Colin they, Trevorrow, who directed Jurassic World, was going to do episode nine. But that's the director. So they always had, they always had um, uh, a writer. They always had the writer, uh, Colin Oh, oh, sorry. Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio doing the writing. But but Chris Terrio, if you look at the final credits, it's Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams. So clearly whatever plan was going to happen originally kind of fell somewhat, by the way, what Trevor O. exited for creative differences. And they, they even made a big deal of announcing, oh, we're bringing back J.J. Now, they're bringing him back with, okay, we need you to start filming within a few weeks and let's go because we got to get, we have to meet this December 2019 deadline. So to their argument from uh, from that Forbes article, Dave. Yeah, it is uh, Scott Mendelson, by the way. It makes perfect sense. The idea of maybe you should have pushed it back because it wouldn't have given you more filming time, but what it does, it gives you more time in the editing room. And everybody always says, Star Wars was saved in the editing room. So so here's my my point that we're making, you know, in my living room earlier was... um, that and I've said it several times. I think where the again the thing that made the sequel trilogy difficult is having three different story writers. Mm-hmm. That you know in the in the prequels and in the original saga, it was always the story by George Lucas. You know, yeah, different screenwriters. You know, and they had script doctors come in and stuff like that. But that's different than having somebody saying, "Here's the story." Right. You know, and the director's job is then to you know to make that story. So it's kind of, I, I was thinking about this earlier, um, uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was the first movie I ever saw where I read the book first. Mm-hmm. And I'd never been so mad at a movie in all of my life. <laughs> Brittany laughed at me because I'm just 
just so mad because they changed this and they changed that and they changed this thing over here and that's not the way this story went and she's like my world welcome to it because every movie she goes see she's read the books you know mm-hmm. um so you know we don't have that in star wars really the book comes after but i think where this again the sequel trilogy had a problem is i don't i they, they I don't, and i i'm just guessing here but it seems like they didn't have all right Dave's going to write the first one. Fredo's going to write the second one. Aaron's going to write the third one. Now, if you're going to help the three of us out, we could write three great Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. which they did. You know, I thought I liked, you know, Force Awakens. I liked The Last Jedi. I thought Ryan Johnson wrote, a, I love that movie, but I think he wrote it inside of a box, you know? And so I don't think Lucasfilm and whatever this story group is, I don't think they gave them, okay, here are the beats this is the general direction where all this is going. They can go back and say the emperor was part of this the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think that is BS. No, no, I don't agree with that at all. That's them saving their butt a little bit Actually, because they've been taking they've been taking some some heat on this. But they need to say, all right, Dave, Aaron, and Fredo, you're going to write your three movies, but here's where we're going to start, and here's where we got to get to, and in the middle we need something like this happening, and you can write your story around those. And instead, you had three stories that. That they don't coalesce. So in a inter- inter- recent interview, Chris Terry actually did come out and say that, no, the Emperor wasn't in the original plans. He actually came out and said that they had to bring him in in order to justify the method of having Ben Solo's redemption. The original, But the moment that, Ky- uh, that Kylo Ren kills Snoke in Last Jedi, well, there goes the big bad of, the tr- of this sequel trilogy. So... They eventually, at some point between him and J.J. Abrams, they went, what if we bring Palpatine back? We said, I mean, we need a big bad that they can face off against. He's the ultimate big bad. And they went to Kathleen Kennedy and she's like, sure, let's do it. So, no, Palpatine was not in the original uh, ideas when the sequel trilogy was being designed. And uh, the very script writer who wrote this is telling you that. And that tells you, okay, no, this was not this was not cohesive. Like so much else in Star Wars, well, this was made they, up on the fly. But then they doubled down, and um, it was you know because the original story. You even heard J.J. Abrams say that the great thing about Ray is that anybody can be the hero. Mm-hmm. And by he could have he could have stuck with that even with all the things Ryan Johnson did. He could have stuck with that in the Rise of Skywalker. But no, we're going to make Ray a Palpatine. And that was the thing I remember when after Force Awakens came out, the whole, you know, who were Ray's parents? And everybody's like, oh, she's she's Luke's. And, well, you know, ones. And I, I was like thinking, OK, maybe she is Luke's daughter. You know, that's that's a possibility because what you know is we're talking 30 years, you know, the, but then people who said Obi-Wan, I was like, come on, you know, the dudes. That's why I'm really skeptical about this Obi-Wan series coming up, because, I mean, if he goes off his job right then is to watch over the savior of the galaxy you know and if he's off you know on a date with somebody and then knocks her up and makes ray you know you know it's then the math doesn't work so oh well, he's not making ray that really <laughs> that really ticked me off and then you know i always thought it was kind of maybe she was han and leia's you know my my theory was that they had ben and sent him off with uncle luke and then ben starts getting all evil and meanwhile han and leia get busy and they make ray but didn't tell anybody about it and it's like oh crud you know her brother's psycho over here we need to send her off world you know to keep her safe so it would have mirrored that separate 
Luke and Leia, you know, type of thing. So the emperor could, that was my theory, you know, throw that out the window if you want to. But the one that always, you know, now we're sitting here, Palpatine, really? You know, so we're, you know, it's like, I don't, I mean. Do the math. When did Palpatine get busy? Well, I mean, he was the most powerful person in the world. I mean, you can, you know, they can, I don't know, get Star Wars hookers, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, but eventually, but those are things that, yes, we just, that's going to be th- the title of this episode. You have to think episode. about that. Now you have to think about that. <laughs> that's going to be the title of this episode. Star Wars hookers. Star Wars hookers. The gears are turning in my but, head of like, oh, are we going to need to edit this? And if so, <laughs> how are we going to need to edit so, this? So I think, I think, I think people who are upset, they really like that, again, where Ryan Johnson, but also where J.J. Abrams was coming from, that Ray was, nobody. you know, she that anybody can be the hero. And now all of a sudden, nope, you got to be a, a special bloodline, you know, and I think people were upset by that. But then it's also just having to connect the dots again of like, all right, so then now are we going to get a book of Palpatine's long lost love or his one night of, you know, affair or whatever and then we got to learn One about Coruscant you know I, I don't know it's it just seemed like I think they could have they could have told that whole story without her being a Palpatine I think the twist in this is that um, she comes from the Palpatine bloodline and yet she's good and Kylo comes from the Skywalker bloodline and yet he's bad until the end um and so, like that whole idea was something. Now, again, we go back to the Harry Potter references. We can we can draw Harry Potter comparisons forever because mm-hmm. uh, that Which was major... I was really worried that this was going to become another Harry Potter movie, but it didn't. So well, that I was, was a major really... part of that story, which was Harry was you know this mudblood of you know poor upbringing, and then you have. Um, the the compare and contrast between that and Voldemort, who on the service would seem to have a leg up on no, him. But Harry wasn't a mudblood, though. He was born a wizarding wizard and a witch. Oh well, I mean, like he was raised by mudbloods. Sure, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, boy, this uh, is a nerdy podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The idea being, um, uh, two people can have similar backgrounds. One can turn out good. One can turn out bad. Right. Yeah. Um, and then in here, it's it's kind of flipped slightly, which is one person can be raised in a loving environment, but then turn out kind of rotten. Like a little jerk. <laughs> and then another person could be raised in a terrible environment and turn out good. Um, so I kind of see what they're going with that. And I also get the rhyming of it. Star Wars always rhymes. Um, we have these, these themes that just re- reoccur over and over and over again. And so I understand like, okay, so this, this name and this villain is huge within Star Wars, so let's resurface it and let's try to do it in an interesting way. Um, but I, it's only going to be satisfying for people who came, came up with that theory in the, the first homework. place. Well, <laughs> what, I was, what I was going to say is watching it the other day or yesterday, uh, the second time, I was really struck about how this movie's central theme is about legacy. It's about children, you know, or grandchildren in this case, you know, the entire, even if you want to juxtapose the entire sequel trilogy, the concept of you are living, I mean, in this movie, they have Ray and Ben literally fighting in the remains of where their parents and grandparents were fighting to the death. And they're doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So, and how Palpatine is so, was so desperate to get Ray that he, 
has sent an assassin to kill his own child, his own son and his wife, because he's the, he's the, trying to live forever. He's trying to cheat death. And so he figures the only way he can cheat death is with this child. Meanwhile, uh, you have uh, Han, who sacrificed himself for his son. Leia, who's sacrificing herself for her son. You know, they're trying to do everything that they can to redeem Ben Solo back. Whereas Palpatine, always only ever interested in, in himself, is trying to turn the one good thing that came out of him towards the darkness. So one of the, one of the funny things, I was, I was watching a, a Kevin Smith reaction to this, and he said, um, well, they're, they're asked about, you know, the thing that made me groan, there was one time in the movie that I just went, mm-hmm. ugh, it was at the very end, and that's when they kiss. You know, it's when Ray and, and Kylo kiss. We talked about it a little bit. And I thought it was totally unnecessary. Um, but what Kevin Smith's point of view was, it's like, it's like um, Kylo Ren won the internet in that moment. Or J.J. Abrams won the internet at that moment. Because you have half the people who are like, you know, the the Raylo people who are like, you know, they need to be together and blah, 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 blah. And then you got the other people who are like, you know, that son of a gun needs to die because he killed Han Solo, you mm-hmm. jerk. And then, so he kisses and everybody's like, this half's like, yay. And then he dies. Then he dies right away. So that half's like, yay. So at that moment, he won the internet. <laughs> it's like, so. That goes to my biggest critique of the movie right there. And I think like that's, that just hits at the heart of it, which to me is that um, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too in this movie. Um, and every major bold decision that they made during the course of this runtime, they undid. Um, you talk about Chewie's death. Mm-hmm. You look at C-3PO's mind, mind wipe. Um, you look at um, Raylo. Um, I mean, we could probably dedicate a whole episode to Raylo. Um, I was very much against the con- very concept of it because I felt like a lot of people did that you really can't redeem this individual but the heart wants what the heart wants um so once they kissed i'm like all right i'm in okay let's see what happens here because this can end poorly as heck and that's the only way that this will that sounds like all of our first dates (laughs) yeah exactly well (laughs) she chose you know this guy who's irredeemable and I, i honestly would have loved to see that play out you know, let's go. Let's see them go to Tatooine together. Start a life off the grid. See what kind of trouble they get into. Oh, Dave, you and I can't be friends anymore. <laughs> it would have been different, well, right? What? It would have been different, and that's that's my well, biggest that was, critique. Actually, so we're I'm going to digress a bunch because that was my big fear about when we came into the Force Awakens. We knew we were going to have Han and Leia and Luke in this movie, and my big fear was that I was going to see domesticated Han Solo. You know, that there's going to be Han and Leia doing dishes. And it's like, have you walked the dog yet today? No, I have You know, so I, that was my big, that was my big fear. Um, but, you know, I just, I just thought, okay, talk about what could have happened. I'm just saying there was no reason for it except to make half of the internet happy well, at that point. And I think that's why some people are over the moon with it. And that's why some people are mad as hell about but, it. And because there's in, in the grand scheme of the story. And again, I go back to, she doesn't have to be a Palpatine for any, it, if, if you take away that aspect of it, 
you well, know, it still, plays. it still is just fine. It could be like, you know, bring back the emperor all you want. That's great. Fine. I'm with you. I disagree with, I wish they would have kind of, <clears throat> pardon me, eased, you know, eased us into it a little bit. Like, is the emperor back, you know, type of thing. But no, and the crawl, it's like emperor's back, deal with it. Okay, fine. I'm past speak. that. I'm, I'm past that. But everything could, it could have been just, she's, you know, just as powerful as you, or she needs to be, you know, off whatever. She doesn't need to be a Palpatine, you know? So she doesn't, she could have remained just a person. Um, so that part. And then, so, so again, this and the kiss, it could have been just what, what if, if you want to talk about what ifs, what if he mirrored the Han Solo thing where he just puts his hand on her cheek and just kind of, you know, the, the thumb goes down the cheek and then he collapses. I mean, that would have been a better choice. But to have them kiss, that made half the internet go, yay. So I agree with Kevin Smith on this. And then when he but, dies, the other half goes, yay. So but I, can I, I think that's the point. He's trying to make too many people happy. But can I, and I say that's, but that's another one of the bigger criticisms that we have with this movie. They are chock full of fan service. Ray needs to be somehow related to the characters we've seen before. We make her a Palpatine. Raylo, we're going to have a kiss. Chewie getting a medal. There's no reason in this story, no. in this chapter, for Chewie to get a medal for anything beyond making you, Dave, and I happy because in 1977, Chewie didn't get a medal and we've been mad about it for 30 so, some odd years, 40 some odd years. So we've been in negative land for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to positive land because I was just thinking mm -hmm. about some things that made me go over the moon on this movie and what I know people were really hoping for and didn't have, let's just face it, in The Last Jedi and not so much in The Force Awakens. But I mean, some things that I think they really dug, first of all, huge space battle. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, TIE fighters and Millennium Falcon shooting at each other and, you know, and X-Wings and stuff like that. So we had a huge space battle. We got two um, different, two different chase sequences. Yeah. So we, we had that aspect. Um, that was really good. A lot of lightsaber fighting as goofy as it was a lot of lightsaber fighting. And that was something that was, has been really kind of missing. Even though if you look back on it, I mean, we're like star Wars is about lightsaber fighting. And it's like, you okay. get about five minutes in a new hope. You get about 10 minutes in empire. empire and you get about 10 minutes in Jedi. But there was, this movie was filled with lightsaber fighting. Can I say one moment that actually made me smirk or kind of laugh the second time I saw it. So towards the final battle, when Ray puts her, uh, Luke's lightsaber behind her back, and Ben draws it out. And all of a sudden, the Knights of Ren step back, and he kind of just kind of bows to them, like, "Yeah, I can do that." Yeah, you're, that was kind of cool. Yeah, Again, no, it's more moment. like, "Yeah, you're gonna get your exactly." Yeah. And I, I kind of love that moment just because it's like one of the few times that we get actual personality coming through that isn't mandated. It's just you like, know, yeah, I can do this. You know, other things that people were really over the moon about, like my wife, for example. I mean, we really saw the connection between, you know, Ray. Poe and Finn I said it right this time you know we saw that connection and actually left her wanting more she wants more of that story um, you know and there was enough so you know of course you have classic star destroyers but then let's go over to the negative side it's like does ever can we can we be done with planet killing weapons mm -hmm. yeah that's I mean we're done with that um, I'll go back to Raylo like I'm like I was never a Raylo fan like at all but Good lord, like the stuff that they did with in this movie to satisfy that fan base and then off him. I just 
it drives me nuts because like you could have done something new. We've never seen two force users like this in love. I don't you know, think it's ever established that they are in love. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I think that's where they're headed. Oh, right, but that, but that's, well, not anymore. But that. I mean, yeah. that's what it. You know, I think the story could have been. You know, when she said. You know, when she said, "Yes, I wanted to take your hand. I wanted to take Ben's hand." Right. And it. You know, but Ben is dead. You know, and you know that that type of thing. I still think it sends a very bad message that you know to that. You know, when your daughters get into, you know, dating range and if they are, you know, starting to date some guy who's who's, a men, who's mentally abusive to them and manipulative, you're not going to sit there and say, well, you know, kids, you know, they're still good in him. You're going to say, get out- that guy out of my house. No, you don't need that. You know, mm-hmm. because it's like there's I mean, you know, maybe, wife- maybe that's not the maybe that's very not very nice of me, but it's like you need to I, I think it would have sent a huge very bad message, especially to all these little girls who look up mm-hmm. to Ray. It's like, but yeah, go for the bad boy. I thought it was a bad idea to begin with. The ones that committed to putting it on film. All right, let's see where it goes. Where did they commit to put it on film? When, when they kissed. Well, at the end, yes. But I'm yeah. talking about, in if you talk about the previous movies, that was everybody just writing their own fan fiction because mm-hmm. they sat around a campfire together. Well, do you know when it happened? The moment that they shipped Finn and Poe together. The no. moment they went, oh, Finn and Poe got to be, you know, they hugged so they got to like him. Well, who does Ray end up with? Well, clearly Kylo Ren. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back up again. It's just because you, because I think there's a, a vast majority of the younger population, these damn kids need to get off my lawn, mm-hmm. who don't understand the difference between intimacy and romance. Well, but they, they don't see a difference there because it's like, there can be a connection between two people of the opposite sex or the same sex. That doesn't mean that they have to get it on. Well, well, let's say that in Star Wars lore, you know, it rhymes. The the cute girl wins up, you know, most of the none ends up with the bad boy. I mean, you know, Padme ended up with Anakin, and uh, Leia ended up with Han. So, so here's another. So I'm gonna, I'll get us away from yeah. this here. Here's another thing that I've heard, mm-hmm. um, and get your guys' take on this: is that people think that this movie negates and this is my wife why people are really again torch and pitchfork that it negates anakin's sacrifice in return of the jedi yeah it doesn't mean anything to me i'm sorry that just doesn't i mean yeah i'm not saying it means anything to me i I just i've heard that argument Mm -hmm. that it's like you know his sacrifice now means nothing the sacrifice he still sacrificed his life well, for his well, son. And here, here's the real world. Here's the real world in relation to this. So I, well, I'll shoot that you know out of the water. Is that World War One, World War Two? Mm-hmm. A lot of people fought and died in World War One to keep you know freedom and democracy safe, you know, and to keep people free. And a bad person still came around, and we had to do it all over again. So I think Anakin can sacrifice himself for his son and and get rid of the most evil person, but there's always going to be another evil person coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that argument is kind of a weak one, but I think it's interesting that a lot of people are. It's like it, you know. I think I think it's coming more mostly from people who were sold, and this is always the difficult aspect of the job that Lucasfilm and before them, 20th Century Fox did. When Return of the Jedi came out, it was sold as the end of the saga. This is it. This is the end. We're buttoning up. Done. 
And so seeing Anakin throwing the Emperor down the reactor shaft is definitive. It's like, okay, we are done. This is over. And then when Return, uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, oh, this is it. This is the end. This, and we're getting told for the third time, this is the end. This is it. We're not. So when you keep telling people this is the end, you want to have something that feels conclusive, that feels definitive. So the fact that you went back to the last definitive act and undid it can cause some people to go, wait a second, you mean to tell me all the stuff you were selling me th no, 30 some odd years ago was bunk? And now here we are and you're going to sell it to me again? It's like, yeah. imagine if somebody, you know, came in and sold you something and uh, then took it back and tried to sell it to you again the second time. You're like, well, wait a minute, you're just doing, you're selling me this thing I just bought a while back. So real quick, just going around the horn, one word answer. Do you think this is the end of the Skywalker saga? Dave? No. Fredo? Nope. Nope. I Because they're going to need to buy Christmas presents at some point, you know. Um, it's it, look. Disney paid billions of dollars for this franchise, for this property. They are making TV shows, and they are making movies, and they're going to be making video games, and making cartoons, and comic books, and the whole nine, because they're going to get your money. So we're we're coming up. Uh, you know, uh, we've kind of run around the table mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but here's something. I, I, I'm going to go back to the Last Jedi, when my my friend who I've known since preschool. He sent me a text and he's like, I'm taking the family to go see The Last Jedi. I'm really nervous because I'm seeing all these bad reactions online. He said, you know, what What do you recommend? And I said, I, I, what we've talked about before, I said, leave your expectations at the door. Just, it, it's a totally different Star Wars movie. You know, just chuck your expectations and just go in and enjoy. And he didn't. And so he became, he hated The Last Jedi love the rise of Skywalker. So if you had that friend who was, who sent you a message and said, I'm going to go see the rise of Skywalker. And I got half the people over here on my Facebook feed are saying it's the greatest thing ever. And I got these other people over here who are saying that it's awful. And I almost walked out. What would you say to that person? Dave, we'll start with you. I'd just say the same thing. I mean, honestly, there's not much more that you can tell a person other than to just, Go into it with as open a mind as you possibly can. I feel like expectations for me personally were lowered when I saw some of the reviews for the film were less than positive. Um, usually the initial reactions from the people who get to see the movie the first night uh, are glowing, and they weren't. Um, and so for, the, for me personally, I was able to, okay, so... This this is going to divide some folks. I should lower my own expectations, but also go in with an open mind. And I, that's what I would recommend to anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Though, if you've listened to this entire podcast at this point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you should go watch it now. Now the whole thing's spoiled. Uh, I guess, and look, this can apply not just to going to see Rise of Skywalker, but this can also apply to any future Star Wars uh media product you know whether it's a tv show a series whatever except that there will be things in it that you like and things that you may not like and no and no here's the thing you don't know what you're gonna like and not like until you do it you know you all you can do is experience it and then know whether you liked it or you didn't at the same time though you have to you know acknowledge that not maybe a lot of the stuff that's gonna be made it's gonna be done under a different lens 
It's interesting looking at this sequel trilogy. This was the first time that it was done by people who grew up under Star Wars. George Lucas grew up with Flash Gordon and mm. Kurosawa films <clears throat> and Westerns. And he poured all that into making Star Wars. This was J.J. Abrams, uh, Chris Terrio. This was Ryan Johnson. This was Lawrence Kasdan. You know, maybe not Lawrence Kasdan, but by and large, the creative forces behind this trilogy were people who grew up with Star Wars. Kind of what we said about The Mandalorian. You know, John Favreau mashing his action figures together. I'm pretty sure he grew up with Star Wars action figures. So, and so did Taika Waititi, and so did everybody making The Mandalorian, and Dave Filoni, and everybody else making all the other shows. So sometimes, I recognize that the people making Star Wars love Star Wars, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be your Star Wars. Well, okay, so it... So first of all, I'll say what I, I would say to people. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, again, it's the same type of thing. You know, just leave your expectations at the door. But the other thing I'd remind people is that you're not 10. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not 10 anymore. Don't chase and, the high. And just, it, just remember that, you know, there are going to be things, you know, because we're all beaten down by life, things like that. And it's, if you're going into it, any movie, you know, especially in this Star Wars saga, now that we're my, nine movies in, if you're mm -hmm. going, hoping that you're going to get that same feeling um, that you had when you saw episode four, when you were, you know, seven years old or whatever, you know, then you probably need to go see a therapist because there's things not going well in your life that you need to sort out. If you're searching for that feeling again, you know, um, again, I like, I, I like the memes that saw that was again, this, I'm just going in seeing a star Wars movie is just, I'm elated that at 46 years old, that there are still star Wars movies to be seen. I think it's fun, you know, and now that again, that I can be, you know, I can be critical about things as well. It's uh, like I was just going to say, using your band um, uh, metaphor, if you're expecting to see the Eagles or a band that you saw at age 17, at age 47, and they're going to be sounding just the same and they're going to play just the same and it's going to be the exact same reaction. You're going to be disappointed because they're not the same. It's not going to be exactly the same and you're not going to get the same reaction, but you're still going to get a great show. So I think you, you were mentioning something, Fredo, that I think would be a good um, conversation for us to have in a future episode. So somebody take notes on this <laughs> because how many times have we heard people over the moon about the Mandalorian mm -hmm. about Star Wars is back? This is the my brother mm -hmm. said this is the best Star Wars content he's seen since 1983. This is, you know, mm -hmm. they're over the moon about how this is like I said, this is Star Wars. The sequel trilogy, you hear a lot of people saying it's not Star Wars. So again, it goes back to that original question, what makes it Star Wars? What what are we missing here that or who's missing what or who's hitting what, you know, and is it about hey, that's that thing that I saw at that in that movie over there or hey, there's that thing that I recognize or, you know, or what? You know, I I think that's just there's a really big uh, conversation to be had there about what is Star Wars. And is it a question that can be objectively answered or is it all subjective? Because that's the harder part about Star Wars. It's, isn't it? Yeah, on a, an objective level, it's a series of movies and now TV shows. Well, and that's the other thing that would go into my, you know, suggestion to people is that it, well, not really my suggestion to somebody who's like tentative, you know, tentative about going to see the movie, but it's um, that art if done well, draws these conversations. 
if everybody goes and looks at a piece of art and says, that's awesome. Then I think the artist failed that, that it should elicit different responses, you know, from people because you bring your stuff in and that's the glory of art is that we can go and we can look at, you know, a piece and we can, you know, argue about it and we can, but if everybody goes in and says, yeah, that was good. Then I think, it, uh, I think something is, is missing there yeah. or it's, or it's suspect anyway. Yeah. And to dovetail off of what Fredo was just saying, it's like, you can look at things objectively or subjectively. And, um, a lot of people, when they, certain sections of the internet get very negative about, uh, certain parts of star Wars. Um, and a lot of the time they attempt to break things down objectively. Oh, this is not framed. Well, this piece of dialogue does not work the acting, etc. Um, and I think those are fair critiques. We're just sitting around, we're trying to decide, you know, um, what makes this good? What makes this, what makes this not good? Um, there's so much subjectivity that goes into all of this. I may not like, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning where we talked about that value is not the same as liking, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that it's, yeah. I mean, because the liking part is the subjective part. You know, that's, that's the, that's the subjective part. Um, I mean, you can go to, you know, you can pay a hundred dollars to go get a a pair of Saints tickets, go see a game. It's a great game and Saints lose. Objectively, you got value. Subjectively, you hate it because your team lost. Yeah. I don't know why you brought that up a couple (laughs) days before we play Minnesota and my playoff tickets are in the mail. So I don't know why you brought that up. Actually, I was bringing up the San Francisco (laughs) game from a few weeks ago because that was a great game. That we lost by two points. Well, oh my God, the the NFC Championship last year. Exactly. I would. I mean, that ended horribly. But oh my God, I can't. Play. I probably saw one of the most, mm-hmm. the probably the greatest endings to a football game that you'd you ever see. And you never want to see it again. <laughs> I never want to see it again. But it's like oh, I was part of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dave, you look like you have some final thoughts. Um, not particularly. We're both out of beer. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the key. Really this is, here. I mean, this is not our, you know, our final delve into, uh, we got a lot of stuff planned for talking about the rise of Skywalker. And, um, I think it'll be fun to get some other perspectives in here. Um, yeah, actually, I'll say one more positive thing. So we're in on a, like a positive note here because we, I feel like we got a little negative and we're trying not to get too negative. Um, I really, enjoyed the 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 parts of star wars part of the reason it appeals to me is this whole mythical talisman indiana jones style quest uh adventure thing that was completely laid to waste in last jedi and again i adore that movie but um you had a slow speed space and you know space chase mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and we didn't have anything of that he's like Oh, you value Luke's lightsaber, for example? Let's blow it in half. Um, you know, these kinds of mystery boxes that J.J. Here you got two. Yeah. <laughs> Here you got Luke and Leia's. Yeah, and J.J. just loves that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did appreciate a return to to that kind of thing. And I think that is a, a, a point in this movie's favor. So I was just going to say, I was thinking like if I had one more thing to talk about, just simply... I love the overall message that the movie ends up on, which is something that um, uh, forgot forgot Poe's 
girlfriend, Carrie Russell. Like that's actually Carrie Russell on the helmet. Yeah, uh, uh, she's Zori Bliss. Zori yeah. Bliss, thank you. That she gives them, she says like they win by making you think you're alone. There's more of us than there's of them, and it's a message that gets repeated by Poe to the uh, resistance, and then gets repeated again by Lando to Poe when he shows up with the biggest armada and the two uh, 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 first order officers are like, "What kind? Where did they get this armada? Where did they get this navy?" And they're like, "That's not a navy. That's just people." People just decide to come in and fight you because they're tired of you. And I think that's a very powerful message as we head into 2020, as we as we look at the world the way it is. If you think that it's just you, recognize that you're not alone and that there's more good people out there than bad people. And that's, know, that's a good message to put in any movie. And I think I think a message, the, another big message from the movie, and this is my final thoughts, mm-hmm. um, is that family is not just blood. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's like when Brittany and I moved to New Orleans knowing nobody, you know, and now we have a family, you know, that we're not related to by blood at all, you know, and that's such a blessing. And so when Ray says, I'm a Skywalker, you know, it's, it's kind of like Brittany and I saying, you know, we're, we're New Orleanians, Mm -hmm. you know, because these people embraced us and, you know, took us in, you know, as part of their city, you know, you guys and you know are part of that family, you know, it doesn't take anything away from the people that we're related to back in Nebraska or other parts in the world, but it's, you know, family is not just about blood, you know? So I think that's when people are feeling lonely, when people are feeling lost, it's like, you know, that's, you know, yeah, it, I think that's just a really powerful message. So mm-hmm. on that, we got, uh, a good hour in on what ticks people off and what makes people happy about the uh, the rise of Skywalker. But, uh, and we haven't even scratched the surface, but we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the hoot at Jedi and find us on Podbean, Facebook, Twitter. Um, tell your friends, even those in Miami, um, you know, (laughs) we, we like everybody. Um, so just not your football teams. And, uh, like for example, Minnesota, go Saints on uh, Sunday here. So round one. So with that, we'll say who dat, who dat, who dat, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. My monkey.